Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today's guest is Julia Glance. She's a former D1 soccer player turned college strength conditioning coach turned registered dietitian with a master's of science in nutritional sciences. She currently is working privately in Los, in Los Angeles and, have, and has an online training and nutritional program. Her mission is to provide a principle-based approach uh, to strength, in, sorry, strength training and nutrition that empower people simply prioritize people to simply prioritize their health and make it a habit. Julia Glanz, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, no problem. So yeah, tell us tell us your story. How did you get to where you're at now? I know you were a Division One soccer player. Tell us a little bit about that if you feel like, and then tell us kind of like your journey from there to where you're at now. Wow, um, it's been quite <laughs> some time. <laughs> so... I always remember um, one pivotal moment in my soccer career. So I grew up playing since I could run, really. Um, And when I was 14, my club coach called me out in front of the team, um, referring to my lack of fitness. Hmm. And he said, Julia, if you continue to do what you're doing, your soccer career is going to be done and that really stuck a dagger into my heart um it crushed every bit of hope I had to play college soccer which was my Hmm. dream at the moment Mm -hmm. or at that time um and I I made a decision from there out and I spent every waking moment um working on my fitness And, you know, when you're that out of shape, anything works. So um, I quickly realized how much my performance changed after getting fit. Um, And it wasn't only my performance on my on the field. It was my confidence. It was just like everything. And I fell in love with the process of training. And I ended up getting a full ride scholarship to play soccer at the University of Arizona when I got introduced to college strength and conditioning and my coaches had a very, very big impact on my life. Um, And I knew from, I think it was like sophomore year, I, I said to myself, if I have this impact on even one person, then I've done my job. So I, again, spent every moment I could just being a sponge to my strength coaches and learning as much as I could. And as soon as I got done playing, I interned under my strength coach senior year of college, and the rest was history. So did a series of internships, worked as a college strength and conditioning coach, and always wanted to be a dietitian, actually. Um, I went into school, into Arizona, to study nutrition, and... <laughs> I took chem and bio my sophomore year during season, and I just, it did not come easy to me. Like, <laughs> I, I, my two roommates and best friends now are both, both physical therapists, and they, we all took the same, like, chem, bio classes, and it was so easy for them, and I just, like, it, something just did not click. So, anyway, I created my own major and studied nutrition and physiology without taking the sciences. And then fast forward 
four years to get into the master's program to become a registered dietitian, I had to go back and take all those classes again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, got my master's in nutrition and soon to be registered dietitian. I, I'll be taking that test in a month or so. Oh, awesome. Awesome. First of all, Cam and Bio, I despise them with all my heart. Uh, no offense to anyone anyone that loves those two. Um, uh, yeah, um, I despise them, to yeah. be completely honest. Uh, those are actually one of my two pivotal points because uh, I really wanted to do PT. Really, I wanted to do it in the rehab surface, somehow going to rehab. Uh, but in order to go to PT, you had to take Chem 1, Chem 2, Bio 1, Bio 2, and depending on the program that you applied to chem, I was like, I took chem one. I was like, I'm not taking chem two, not doing this. There's gotta be another uh, round. And I took, it took me like a year and a half to figure out what I want to do. And I, I went the AT route and here I am, but yeah, I completely, I'm, I'm with you there with the chem and bio. Jeez Louise. Yeah. That right. And definitely not my forte. And in the moment you don't really see big picture because you haven't been exposed to what really goes on in the body. But mm-hmm. in hindsight, now I realize how important just understanding, like I've taken my fair share of nutritional biochem classes and mm-hmm. I just am so grateful for that knowledge because I just have that visual of what's happening on mm-hmm. a cellular level um, with these different like exposure to training or nutrition or food or whatever. So there's a reason behind it, but still, <laughs> you know, I'm a big believer of, you know, there's a, a right time to learn almost anything. Mm-hmm. So like for you, I, w- I would want to say, I don't know what you feel, but that that wasn't the necessarily the right time for you to absorb it. Even if you would have taken it at that moment, you just, I mean, you didn't see the value at that moment, but because of everything you went through all your experience, even having that strength conditioning background and then really trying to dive into that nutritional side, you're like, okay, for me to be able to go this route, I had to take these classes. But I think mentally and just kind of like energetically and then how you felt about those classes at that point, you're like, you were ready to accept information that you were going to get. So I think in my sense, it was right timing. Exactly. Exactly. And I think sometimes people, uh, plans are important, but sometimes plans don't go to plan (laughs) for lack of a better word, you know? (laughs) And I think sometimes people, they get really harped on, Oh my gosh, I was supposed to take this class or I was supposed to go this route. Um, now, you know, my dreams are are gone, but I think uh, we've had also other guests had similar stories where they plan to go one way and then life took them another way and they actually love where they're at. Um, even though I know we're talking about chem and bio, but I think this is a, a, a big point when it comes to people trying to decide what they want to do uh, and pivot. Like pivoting is not necessarily a bad thing. Like you had to go back to be able to kind of go forward again, which Absolutely. is again, uh, all good. So talk to me about being a strength coach and being a female. I know a lot of times in that realm, a lot of times that's, uh, you can almost, you can kind of say, I wouldn't say frowned upon, but some people might not take you serious as a female strength coach. Especially in the college setting. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot harder as an intern because you're the same age as the athletes. Um, Mm. My, (laughs) it's funny because all the coaches I was surrounded by in college is like, don't do it. Like, just (laughs) don't do it. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) This is what I feel called to do. And I did. I mean, you you have to establish that level of professionalism up front. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I did a good job 
with that. I don't think I was ever disrespected because I was a female. Um, Mm. But that's just the way I carried myself and what I demanded from the athletes that I worked with. Would you say it was like your first impression or was it kind of like the first few sessions you had with them or did you have a conversation kind of targeted more towards that? How did you go about uh, creating that presence with the with the athletes and the people you worked with? Definitely uh, first impression and with the sessions like at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just setting those boundaries, why they're in the weight room in the first place, like what we're going to accomplish and you know, as soon as you, the athletes are always willing to learn. And as soon as you can show them that you're there to support their journey to become the best athlete they can be, they're on board, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I played uh, collegiate baseball and I knew, you knew the guys in your team that were going to mess around. You knew the guys that were really going to be those leaders and the guy in be- and the guys in between that, um, they loved the sport, but didn't want to go anywhere farther than college. And then you had the people that were just there that they were good, raw talent, but they were just there to party. And it's usually those guys that would mess around. And it was a lot of times they gave us the extra work, right? Extra burpees. Hey, whatever it is in Mm -hmm. in the training in the strength uh, facility. But um, I feel like those are the guys that typically tend to kind of push uh, strength coach buttons, especially if it's a female to to see how far they can go. And, and, And I can't, and having those that first impression, right? Even sometimes where you come off almost like uh, cold, it's almost necessary in a point for them to kind of get the picture. Like, listen, we mean business yeah. right now. This is like you're in here. I have you for 45 minutes to an hour or, or 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, we're gonna get this, this, this done. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you were stepping in some pretty big shoes there. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely setting that tone from day one. Like, this is business, and then. And then you can, you know, let your guard down and show your actual, like, personality as, you know, time goes on. So talk to me about this uh, coach earlier on that really set this fire within you and be like, what? I'm not good enough for this, which, (laughs) I I mean, I guess you kind of mentioned it kind of helped you kind of really push through uh, all the stuff that you needed to get to to be able to get where you're at now. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. talk to me how I know you said a little bit of how you were feeling, but what would you say? I mean, how, how would you describe that that inner fire that he basically just exploded? Yeah. Um, soccer always I wouldn't say it came easy to me. Like I just loved it. So I worked at it every single day. Um, but I was never the fastest, never the fittest. Um, I was actually probably the most out of shape growing up. <laughs> Um, and for soccer, that's that's pretty, pretty – you need to be in shape for soccer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you need to run like three or four more. Actually, it's like, what, seven, ten miles in a game? Something like that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, depending on the position, but yeah. Um, and so I played center mid, so definitely had okay. to be in shape for that. Um, okay. And so it was actually – it's kind of a funny story, but – I was on my period this one specific game and I had mm-hmm. the worst cramps. And so I was actually like bent over in the middle of a game. And you know, when someone bends over like hands on knees, you first thing you they're, just tired. they're tired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's 
that's why he thought that. I mean, granted, I probably was. I don't even remember at this point, but um, I knew I was out of shape. And I think that's why it hit me so hard is because I knew what the other girls were doing outside of soccer practice. And I was more concerned about my social life at the moment. And so everything, it was just, we lost the game. It was perfect timing of like, I was ready to receive that harsh feedback. And I just used it to like spring me forward almost. And some people, I don't, I don't know why I was, I mean, I was 14 years old. I don't know what in me decided to be like, no F that, like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's the fire that I felt. And, and as soon as you like get a taste of what it feels like to get yourself in shape and to feel better and to move better and to outrun people, like you just become like addicted, like, okay, give me more. What else can I do? So then I started looking at nutrition and like tried to do everything I can to be the best player I can be. And that's how I just did like the rest of my 10 years playing throughout college. So, I mean, it's like you said, two things could have happened there. You went through the more positive side. The negative side would have been like, you know, he shot you down. Like, okay, this isn't for me. Like you could have completely gone 180 and never done soccer again at Mm -hmm. that point. But I mean, you took that fire and and, uh, that moment, that learning moment as okay, like a wake up call saying, all right, I mean, if I really want to do this, this is what it's going to take. And sometimes I think, uh, a lot, or I should say a lot of times it takes that, even though, again, everybody reacts differently, you know, thankfully you reacted positively and it really sprung, uh, basically your future and coming forward. But I think two things could have happened. And then I don't know how many, uh, the listeners would have taken that and would have kind of shielded and like crawled on their rock, but you're like, what the heck? Who's this guy? I'm going to show him. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Talk to me about now, okay, you have a master's in nutrition, right? And you are trying to become, or you actually in a month away about uh, becoming a registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. What's your goal uh, with combining that strength side and combining the dietetics and bringing them together? Um, So the whole reason I think I'm so passionate about nutrition is one, how it affected my performance as well. But I think a big, big part of it is how I grew up and what I experienced. I have close family members that are obese. Hmm. Um, My uncle passed away of a heart attack. And I'm not saying it was strictly nutrition, but with the research I know now, um, I know how much of a role that could have played. And it just goes... Um, to such a deeper level other than performance, even though I'm still super passionate about that as well. Um, And so the nutrition side, I just want to be able to uh, use my platform and to provide the tools for as many people as possible to make healthy eating simple, practical, and a lifestyle. And so that's really my goal with that. And with strength training, I just am super passionate that it is important for not only a longevity standpoint, but to boost confidence, lean muscle, metabolism, and all the rest. And so, yeah, just combining the two to make people's life 
a little more simple when it comes to strength training and nutrition so they can focus their energy on the things that they want to accomplish in their life. I feel like sometimes too, it takes something like close to home mm -hmm. like that to really help, uh, help create a, almost a sense of urgency when it comes to uh, something we're learning. Like for example, I'm doing, I'm learning now acupuncture, mm -hmm. but a lot of what I'm learning, I'm able to, to apply as far as how I'm seeing the body, the perspective of that when it comes to even like nutritional stuff. And when you have that, almost something that you get to see or maybe even implement or some things where you're like, man, at this moment, if I would have known this, I would have been able to change X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I think having mm -hmm. that kind of like close to home uh, type of experience helps us mm -hmm. understand the true value of what we're learning. Exactly. And I look back now and I'm so grateful that I was an athlete growing up. Like I was told exactly what to do pretty much every day of my life, even throughout college, what to do, what to wear, what to eat, how to train, what time to show up, what shoes to put on. Like, and I, I realize now that like I developed these habits that now I don't even think like we woke up at 6am, we trained, we went to class, we went to study hall, like all these things were like our routine. And mm -hmm. now I wake up, it's like, okay, go, go work out, get it done no matter how I feel on that day, of course, listen to your body and all the rest, but it, it's these daily habits that, that help you later on. And that's what I've realized that like some people are missing. And so mm -hmm. the whole premise of like making it a habit is having this a part of your daily routine. So it becomes automatic and that's when now true change happens. Yeah, it almost becomes instinctive, mm -hmm. right? I mean, habit could be good or it could be bad habit. Obviously, we're leaning yeah. towards more <laughs> the positive side, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, especially as an athlete, right? You get conditioned to uh, perform at a certain level. And for you to be able to perform at a certain level, you have to train at a certain level. For you to be able to train at a certain level, you have to take care of yourself more. You have to take care of yourself differently than the average person, right? Because the amount of uh, prerequisites, the amount of uh, almost beating, you want to say the amount of uh, energy it takes for you to perform at that level. It, it you can't just live your lifestyle completely changes. Oh yeah, uh, and you're starting to see a lot more people wanting that, even though they're not necessarily competitively uh, or competing competitively, should I say? But they, I'm a big aspect of that. Anybody can be an athlete, right? Anyone can can have that athlete mindset where uh, they're taking care of themselves, right? They have a morning routine. They go through work and they have a night routine. They have that nutritional component, whether it's like a program like what you offer, uh, and they have that uh, strength and conditioning uh, mindset where they're going to the gym, not just to work out, not just to blow off steam, but to actually work to certain goals. And maybe even uh, a triathlon or, or a half marathon, or maybe it's just like a Tough mutter. You're starting to see more people having this competitive uh, type of mindset and type of lifestyle in a sense where they're training, they're eating healthier, they're being more mindful of how their 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 head is, or should I say, like their mental health is. They're not just kind of going, they're not just like clocking, clocking out, and then going home. They're really starting to create this uh, again, this athletic stance, and I, and I feel uh, kind of like that mindset, right? Where we both went to college, right? You had that wake up early, go to the, go to the gym, all right, come back change, go to school. All right. You're out of class, go to practice. And then it's almost like rinse and repeat every day. Mm -hmm. And you start to, it, it starts to ingrain almost into your DNA. So that when you come back home, you're like, 
can't just be sitting here. I got to be doing something. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree. I completely agree that 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 instinct, that habit, um, it's not just it doesn't just happen. Right. It has to be ingrained, especially if you want to make a positive uh, impact, especially if you want to create this positive habit, because it's a lot easier for some reason or another. I don't know the research or the logistics behind it, but it's so much easier to create these bad habits. (laughs) Not sure why. But it is. It's much easier to eat unhealthy. It's much easier not to do anything. It's much easier uh, to be negative. But it's a lot harder. But much more, uh, you get much more quality, much more out of it when you're more on this positive side, kind of like what we're talking about. Yeah. Talk to talk to me about this make a habit kind of model that you that you created. Um. Okay. So yeah, I'll I'll start with this story and then go into a little bit of what you talked about, like why it's so much easier to choose the quote-unquote bad habit. Um, So bringing it back to college, I I mentioned these two girls. They were my two college roommates who were Mm -hmm. physical therapists, um, Mm -hmm. well, who are physical therapists now. But we were in the van. (laughs) I think I was on one of the girls' laps. The other one was right next to us squished in a van on our way to a game or practice or somewhere with the team. And we were just talking about dreams, what we wanted to do. And I was just like, how cool would it be if we had our own facility where like we had a strength and conditioning coach, we had a nutritionist, we had um, a physical therapist, massage, a kitchen, all these things in one facility preferably on the beach. This is what I said. Um, (laughs) I still want that one day. Um, And I said, okay. And the slogan will have to be make it a habit because we want the people to come in every day in order for them to see change and Hmm. just stuck. And that's as I was like 18 at the time. And yeah, every time, like that was the moment where I'm like, yeah, make it a habit. Everything you do, if you want something to be sustainable, you have to make it a habit. Um, so that's kind of where that blossomed from. And fast forward seven, eight years, seven years, um, I trademarked it and put it on some clothing. And so that's where the clothing line came from. And my mission with that is to have the clothing everywhere so that anyone who sees it is reminded to make the healthier choice. And that kind of comes from the research behind habits and how they're created. And this has been researched for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, There's a couple components of of it. And Mm -hmm. one is a cue. So you see a cue, it could be internal or external, and then you're triggered to, to do this behavior, this routine, because you know there's a reward coming. So then it becomes the prediction of the reward and the anticipation, which becomes a craving for this reward, which is why you keep repeating the same routine, if that makes sense. And so, mm-hmm. so why it's so easy for people to get into these, like, quote unquote, bad habits is because our brains are wired to conserve energy. So we have a long day at work. Of course, we want to sit down and just marinate on the couch after. Um, And and we know that's what our body wants to do. Um, So that's what we default to. 
But if we could change the cue to like, okay, I'm going to bring my clothes to work and go straight to the gym after because I know how good I will feel after. And I have this long-term vision and this long-term goal that I want to get to that I know if I make these little daily choices every single day, I'll get closer. And so it's just rewiring your cue and changing your cue, changing your environment to make the better choice, to make that a routine and to make it a habit. So that cue, I mean, the negative side, it's conserve energy. And then the positive side, like you mentioned, of the long-term goal, the cue is the long-term goal. Is that if I'm, if I'm getting that correct? So the cue would be anything like internal or external. It could be like, oh, okay, I'm done with work. Um, I'm going to the gym. So being mm-hmm. done with work is the cue to go to the gym or waking up, going to the gym. Um, so attaching something that reminds you to do the healthy habit routine. So does that make sense? Absolutely. I get it. So, I mean, you're, you're starting to tie. So instead of waking up early and saying, gosh, dang it, I got, you know, I just want five more minutes. You wake up and you're starting to condition yourself to say, hey, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then after this, I'm going to go to work. Yeah. I mean, you're starting to change that, that uh, conversation exactly. within, within yourself, right? That's the cue. Exactly. Hmm. And it's, of course, easier said than done. But it only, it only can happen and it only can become automatic by putting in the reps. So yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable at first. Yeah, you're not going to want to do it. Sometimes you're even going to be like, sometimes you're even not going to do it. But mm-hmm. putting in the reps every day that all of a sudden it becomes automatic. And when you have a right. strong cue to do that and the reminders and the support and the environment, it just makes it easier on you rather than trying to do it on your own and in an environment that's not supportive. I mean, anything for you to be able to achieve a goal, it always definitely takes discipline, right? But it always, you always have that to take that first step. Mm -hmm. And this is a great first step that cue changing that conversation within your mind. Again, we're not saying that it's easy because I'm the first one to say it is definitely not, not easy, right? But I mean, as you like, we talked about this, this the the athletic routine, right? We started, we got conditioned for four years, four or four or five years, uh, to wake up early, to go train, to go to school, eat, rinse, and repeat. I mean, it almost became after about two weeks. You, I, I would literally walk to the gym with my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, how the heck? Did I get here? I mean, you can even see it like sometimes when we're driving, like we have this routine, right? We are uh, habitual animals. Us as human beings, we're just, we just, habits, we fall into routines very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's sometimes where I'm driving and I'm just spaced out. I'm not even there. And I get to somewhere and I'm just like, how the heck did I get here? I know I was driving. I know I got here. I know I opened the door and I sat here, but because your mind is running, but you're, I mean, your subconscious, right? Just consciously, you are already used to doing things in, in a habitual manner. Now, if you change that or use that same kind of wiring, but you rewire it to, towards a goal and you continue having that conversation, it's, it's kind of like what uh, Julia is saying. Now we are using this kind of innate feature that we have, but towards like streamlining it to what we want to do. Exactly. And, and you brought up a good point of, and this is like a whole nother conversation, but 
why is it so much easier to like eat junk food? I think that's what you said, mm-hmm. something like that. And mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is another like it is a habit, and it's also uh, has to do, of course, with hormones too. But if mm-hmm. you I'm just going to use work again. If you get done yeah. with work at five, you're like, oh my gosh, I have such a long day or I had such a long day. I deserve this. It'll make me happy. So I'm going to go get my Snickers bar and then I'm going to feel good and satisfied. So being done with work, completing your long day is a cue. Um, the routine is getting a Snickers bar and feeling satisfied and happy is a reward. But if mm-hmm. you were to replace that routine with, going to the gym and said and anticipating how good you feel after then putting in those reps can then change that habit of like replacing Snickers with gym. And that's obviously easier said than done, but that's kind of an example of like why we do certain things. When it comes to the support and this in- environmental aspect of it, right? Cause obviously um, there is an environmental, there is the kind of like what surrounds you, the people around you, you know, uh, yeah, you can do it on your own. Sure. I'm, I would say there are there this special situation where no matter what your situation, no matter what your environment, no matter what support you have or don't have, you can conquer anything. But we do know that, um, who you're surrounded by, what your environment tells in, right? If you're going to a household and your husband, and your kids aren't necessarily, on board with trying to change their, you know, like the lifestyle of how you're eating, or uh, maybe you can't necessarily, oh, I don't know what it is. Maybe the resources that you have available aren't necessarily up to par, but I think it still plays a part, right? How, how do we go about uh, maybe making the support and maybe can actually make the support, but trying to, to improve the support and the environment to help this uh, new habit that we're trying to create? Yeah, that's a good question and super common. And it starts with a conversation. And it starts by you asking, not asking, by you telling the people closest to you, hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. Please be supportive in my goals. Don't question Mm -hmm. me. Don't look at me weird. Don't ask, like, don't put me down. Just asking for that um -hmm. and if they're not supportive then one question like who are these people in my life to me anyway and Mm -hmm. (laughs) are they worth me being like surrounded by um and and then it's just I mean it's tough love me saying this but it's like who cares Mm -hmm. (laughs) who cares what anyone else thinks do it because you want to um, people good for them. If they ask like weird questions, Oh, why are you doing this? Like it's, it's about putting on, put on your tough skin and just be okay with people looking at you weird. Like that's them. Whatever comes up for them is what they're putting on you. And that's, that has nothing to do with you. <laughs> um, it's almost, it's almost like you have to reevaluate who your friends are and who your almost like your family members are like what's now you start to uh, reevaluate your priorities uh, and maybe maybe you know you are in this tough uh, tough situation where you can't necessarily you have you've had this conversation uh with the people around you and you know they're really not necessarily on board yet uh but then you have coaches like julia right or, or people around you um or maybe you can find 
uh, coaches or someone that can be your support and you try to now find that support, right? I would, I would only assume that's probably a good uh, good way to go about it. If you can't actually have, if, if the people around you aren't supporting your new goal or trying to support this new habit that you're trying to create, uh, there's resources now Absolutely. where you can now have people or find people that can be that either remotely or locally uh, to be that support and help you now be part of your performance team or part of your uh, making a habit team. Mm-hmm, exactly. Ooh. And I think I like that. having a coach is so valuable, especially if you don't have the support group around you. Um, I think it's huge. And I think it's a big, big part of why people are successful is because they have the coaching and they have the accountability and they have the support because making any change is not easy and mm-hmm. you're not meant to do it alone. You're not. So yes, that's a very good point. I mean, a big component to going into the gym, right? Especially, I mean, if you go to like an LA fitness or like a commercial gym, you probably won't necessarily have this, but if you go to like a gym, like where my office is at, uh, BeFit, you have this community. So maybe you're, your community as far as your inner circle isn't necessarily on board, but I'm sure you can find three or four people at a gym that are probably in the same mindset and they can probably encourage you along the way. So now you start to build the support system um, within, again, this gym or maybe whatever, maybe if you do martial arts. I mean, I spoke to another, uh, my other podcast, we talked about this camaraderie when it comes to, uh, again, martial arts or any kind of group fitness type of thing where you start to have, you start to surround yourself around uh, like-minded individuals, right? And again, let's say you can't find that. I'm sure there's, like I said, there's Julia, right? She has programs. There's other coaches that have programs. There's other people. Again, the you can behind the most successful people in person, whatever industry, whatever genre, uh, there are people behind that person uh, or should I say in front of that person in which that person followed, either followed their footsteps or asked the questions or asked the right questions. Um, nobody necessarily does this, does this alone. Absolutely. I don't think anybody does. So having a coach uh, or, for example, there's a lot of people that come to me and they have pain, mm-hmm. right? Or they have some type of limitation. A lot of times it's a lifestyle modification, mm-hmm. right? Whether they're training too hard and they don't necessarily know how to deload or how to recover and now talking to a professional or talking to a coach or talking to a practitioner, now they start to have this conversation of, okay, well, I didn't realize I was doing this and I need to make this pivot. Mm-hmm. And having that accountability, I think as a coach, as a practitioner, as someone uh, providing this service, whatever it may be, if it's nutrition, if it's uh, therapy, if it's strength conditioning, I think the biggest aspect, uh, apart from that community of a gym, is you have now the accountability saying, if you come up with a goal, we're going to see to it that you're going to complete that. And if you're not, I'm going to call you out. And I think, like we mentioned, uh, a coach does a pretty good job of that and should. Yeah. And it that's a great point. And it's about like having someone be a mirror for you and showing mm-hmm. your blind spots and where in your life is this showing up? Where is it not working? What's not working? How can we fix it? Um, so a lot of like when it comes to pain or movement, exercise, nutrition, anything in life, it's like mm-hmm. being mindful of what's coming up and where else is it showing up. And a lot of times you need a coach to help you see that yourself. What are one of the biggest, uh, I guess, obstacles that you find 
um, when it comes to trying to help somebody with their diet, with their nutrition. Um, yeah, I guess that's a general question. Let me see if I can make it a little bit more. No, I mean, the first thing that comes up is habits. And okay, every like there's so much information. So one, it's information overload and just simplifying it for <laughs> the individual in front of me. And that looks different for everyone. And two, it's how mm-hmm. you set up your environment to make it a habit. Mm, basically what we just talked about I mean, you can really put that into whatever goal and whatever uh type of situation you're trying to complete mm-hmm. because the nutrition component's different for everyone and so it's really mm-hmm. what are they going to stick to right talk to me about your nutritional programs why do you uh want to start i mean i'm sure there's many reasons but you can give us uh, your story behind it and then the biggest goal uh behind it Yeah, so I want to create a system of principles that allow or give people the structure to allow freedom Mm -hmm. in their life. So when you think of a meal, it's like, okay, is there fiber? Is there veggies? Is there omega-3s or a healthy fat? Great. Okay, now I'm in the mood for whatever. I'm going to sprinkle that on top too. So it's like Mm -hmm. providing a structure as a base and then allowing people the freedom to create their own way of eating that they like and enjoy. And it doesn't feel like a diet or restrictive. And that comes from knowledge. It comes from understanding your body and what it needs and just being aware of other factors in your life, like your environment, if you're out to eat who you're with, does that influence your choices? And there's so much that goes into it that people kind of just like shut off and don't Mm -hmm. dive into. And so the purpose of my soon to be nutrition program is to address all these different areas that allow people the freedom to make their own choices, knowing they're doing the best thing they can do for their body. As for athletes, uh, being a strength coach yourself and having that experience, what are one of the, I guess, what are three tips you would give an athlete or maybe not an athlete, maybe somebody that uh, is training like an athlete, right, where they go to the gym recreationally or uh, consistently, what are a couple of things you would say to them or I guess uh, advise them if they want to consistently, uh, again, you had this inner fire to really be your best self. I guess what are a couple of things you would maybe tell your younger self when you're trying to really kind of break through the shell that you, you had. Um, yeah. Or the person trying to now be more consistently, uh, training. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I would tell myself to, I still kind of have to tell myself this, but focus on, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the caveat. <laughs> focus on recovery. I think recovery is just okay. as important as how hard mm-hmm. you are training. Um, so that's huge. And that, that comes for most people, not me. I've always prioritized my sleep. I think that came from my mom, like hammering in my head. You have to get eight to 10 hours of sleep, like forever. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I really do value my sleep. And I think that's huge for recovery too, especially for athletes. Um, mm-hmm. That that oftentimes I see gets neglected. So sleep, yeah. hydration, uh, recovery and 
you said three. <laughs> yes. Those three are super important. What about what? Are, what we will see from uh, Julie Glantz in the future? Oh. Other than the obviously nutritional program, but um, anything in sight? There are a couple things in sight. Yes. Um, I will be releasing an online comprehensive, complete weight training and conditioning program um, to make strength training simple, simplified, and to provide a structure for people that either just want to get started or just want a plan to follow. Um, so that's in the works. The nutrition program's in the works. And yeah, who knows? How can the listeners uh, reach you? Um, on Instagram at Julia Glanz. We'll probably okay. be and, uh, don't worry, listeners. I will definitely put this on the bottom of the show notes. So you should be seeing that there. So Julia Glanz, and that's uh, IG, I believe, IG. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Website. Is there a website that they can uh, maybe look for more stuff? Yeah. So my website is julialifestyle.com. Okay. And if you go on to there, I have a, a little free guide for people that subscribe that share. I share um, four reasons why your current diet and workout routine might not be working. Oh, so a little like bit that. of tips for some people. Okay. Little 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 teaser. I mean, you've given a lot already now. So, um, any book recommendations? Maybe one you're reading now. Maybe one you've read. Maybe one you want to read. Oh my gosh! Um, oh, <laughs> honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is "Daring Daring Greatly" by Brene Brown. I just love her, mm. and I think she just opened up a whole new world for me, um, especially being an athlete and my whole life being told not to show emotion or pain or weakness. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a pretty powerful book. You're not the, that's the second time that I hear that book. And I actually started reading, actually listening on Audible because God knows I cannot read. Uh, I fall asleep in literally (laughs) 0.2 seconds. Um, But vulnerability, I I think it's the power of vulnerability. That's another one of her books. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the one I'm listening to right now. And it's, there's a lot of there's it, those books pack quite a punch. Mm-hmm. So I, again, okay, cool. I'll make sure to put that on yeah. there. All right. So for this last part of the podcast episode, uh, it's what I call speed round. So even though I kind of asked you a couple of questions already, these questions are a little bit more, let's say, interesting. So the listeners get to know a little bit more about you. It's kind of funny, and yeah, I, I mean, they're questions that maybe nobody has really asked you, or maybe they have. Here we go. So. Let's so a speed round, because I try to do it fairly quickly. Uh, I used to say 0.3 seconds is the amount of time that you have to answer the questions, but really that doesn't matter. Uh, I'm really yeah. bad at so this, are you ready? but okay, let's do it. <laughs> it's okay. So whatever comes to the head is what you say, and hopefully, uh, yeah, sometimes you get stuck, but it's okay. If, if that's so, we might come back to it or just get the question. Are you ready, Julia Glantz? Yes. <laughs> All right. Are you a little nervous? You sound a little nervous. Super nervous. No, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Let's see. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, favorite superhero? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Um, you see, I told you. We're putting you here on the on the, the wire. 
None. None comes none comes to mind. Literally none. I would say my mom. Got it. Wow. Hey, listen. That's probably the best answer I've ever gotten. <laughs> yeah, cuz usually it's Superwoman or Superman or but everybody names a superhero. But the question is relative. And you, my friend Julia Glanz have gone down to uh wow that's really deep so your mom yeah. you, you know you can't just you can't just say that and not give us a little bit of detail so no, why just, is that i mean the most loving supportive strong woman i know and to be a mother is crazy so amen to that <laughs> all right i like that you see you started off great you're natural thanks second question best childhood memory oh my gosh <laughs> Uh, I told you. These are hard. <laughs> well, I'm making you um, think. Um, 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 I would say, how like how old's childhood? <laughs> whatever. When I say best childhood memory, whatever comes to mind, it can be as young as whatever you remember, and as recent. Well, I guess it can't be recent, but you pick. Um, I would say. Oh, like there's so many soccer memories. I don't have one specific one. Um, okay, how about this? Pick one soccer memory and then one non soccer memory. Getting offered a scholarship to play college. Um, okay. And then one non soccer. Yes. Um, my whole life, my whole childhood was soccer. That's cheating. <laughs> so you can't do that. Um, dig dig deep here, Julia. Okay, okay here. The listeners want to hear a little bit more about your history in your childhood memory nothing you know like a summer memory you know i don't know anything like when we were younger we'd stop at subway and i'd get a tuna sandwich and we'd go to the beach and that was so fun we did that like every day during summer (laughs) so tuna sub at subway so okay we're gonna need a little more information because that was kind of dry what beach what area where were you living santa monica Santa Monica, Santa Monica mm-hmm. Beach. Is this, no, this is not the mm-hmm. one with the fair there. Is that close no, by, the like the pier? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah close that by one. To there. The only thing I know about California is through movies, so I apologize oh, if those are uh, movie press. Oh, I've never gotta been. get you out here. Come on. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> All right. Third question. Are you ready? Ready. I don't know if you're ready for this one. This one's <laughs> kind of probably not, but <laughs> okay. The name of your current nail polish Bodega Blackberry. (laughs) Bodega Blackberry. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. No, it's kind of like wine color. So that kind of throws me off. So it has a black in the name, but it's Mm -hmm. not black. It's wine. It's like a maroon red. red. Yeah. Wow. So that name. Wow. Okay. So Bodega. And the reason why I asked that is because my fiance she, we have this game where she'll ask me, uh, hey, what, what's the name you think it is, right? And it's like, uh, she uses Opie and SC, and they have these like super weird names. Like one that I remember, that I always remember is uh, Butler Please, and it's like this blue. Uh, and that's why I asked. So I thought it would be funny. So you said it was Bodega Black. Blackberry. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. So one more question. Are you ready? Actually, we're going to do oh, two gosh, more. Okay. Okay. Two more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, favorite Netflix show or movie? Either um, one. I 
I haven't watched one since college. I'm just not a movie or show. Per- I've watched movies, but I haven't really watched them. Julia, you're killing me. I know. Got it. How about I love this? documentaries. <laughs> um, okay, perfect. Last documentary that you've Brene seen. Brown. But my like one of my favorite yes. shows in college was One Tree Hill. It was so good. <laughs> Wow, we that's you're going back with that one. So good. One Tree Hill. I, you know, we are learning a lot more about you today, Julie Glance. Um, one more. I think this is kind of funny and almost interesting because I really don't pay attention okay. to this. Um, toilet paper. Do you put? Is it over or under? And do you know what I mean? Yeah, by that? it's under. Is there a reason behind that? Yeah, like flows better. <laughs> I get mixed reviews. Some people say over, some people say under. I really don't really, you know, it's not even, the toilet paper at my house is not even on the thing. Oh. It's like behind well, somewhere. So that's why I don't really know. Teach but their own. <laughs> so, hey, some, some people actually prioritize that. Like I, this, there's been uproars in conversations, especially in podcasts <laughs> um, about, no, over and under. I just don't get it. But you are a under person, yep. so okay. So blackberry, no, Bodega sorry, blackberry. Jesus, and uh, under with the toilet paper, and you like to go to the beach. It was your favorite uh, childhood memory. What tuna sub? Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> no worries. We learned a lot more. Yeah. About um, now this next part of the podcast is more so is where I give three thanks, and I think. Uh, this is my favorite part of it. And the uh, first thank is, or first thank you is uh, to you, Julie Glance. Thank you for uh, taking the time uh, to jump on this podcast and to be able to spread more knowledge and really share the value of, again, many things, strength conditioning, your story of what really lit the fire for you to get to where you're at now, uh, the nutritional side. And I think one of the biggest topics we talked about is making a habit. And I think anybody who listens uh, can definitely benefit from what we talked about. So thank you very much for jumping on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Second thank you goes to the listeners. Uh, you could have been doing anything at the moment, right? You could have been watching uh, Netflix. You could have been out in the movies. You could have been taking a nap. But you decided to listen to this episode. So I thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much uh, for allowing us to have this platform uh, to be able to share ideas and approaches like the one that Julie Glantz uh, mentioned in this podcast and other guests that we've had. Uh, Thank you very much with that. And the last thank you goes to our patients, our students, um, again, our athletes, people that we get to work with on a day-to-day. Thank you very much for cherishing what we do and valuing our skill set. Um, because again, we can have all this passion in the world and have all this knowledge, but if there's no one to share it with, then it really kind of goes to crap. So thank you very much for giving us uh, the opportunity to share what we love to do. Uh, yeah, thank you. With that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and see you on the next episode. Hold up.